Hello, welcome to Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustis. In this week's podcast, we ask, can you turn a tweet into a new job? Later in the show, social media expert Ramon Pedrolo-Bez joins us to debate the power of Twitter as a job-seeking tool and share his top tips for impressing employers in just 140 characters. But we'll open the show with a roundup of the news. So hello to Harriet Minter and Ali White, who are joining me to talk about the degrees that turn out top earners and the return of the unpaid interns debate. Um, hello. <laughs> hello. Are you all right? Well, thank you. Yes. Good. Ali, go on. Tell us about the degrees that earn you lots of money. Okay, doke. Well, this is a piece of research that Ian Walker, professor of economics at Lancaster University Management School, was involved in. I won't go into all the details, but basically they looked at the fortunes of 80,000 people, grads compared to non-grads, uh, at their lifetime earnings uh, rather than what they earn straight away. The research centred around the fact that tuition fees are rising and what's the actual investment of a degree. So he looked at male graduates in law, economics and management, for, for example, enjoy, and that they enjoyed faster growth in wages earlier in their career life cycle compared to other majors, including the STEM subjects. So then STEM graduates, which stands for science, technology, engineering and maths, um, eventually do catch up with those who've studied these other types of degrees, but not until much later in the life cycle. But then there was another interesting finding about women because the picture is different. So those who did a degree, irrespective of subject, enjoyed substantially higher lifestyle earnings than those who didn't. And he sort of said this could be read as indication of the kind of discrimination female non-graduates still face in the labour market. And then, like, back to men, he said that, like, the, those who opted for arts and social science degrees, the lifetime returns are much lower. Yeah, I like the fact that it looks over a lifetime because typically it's uh, starting graduate mm. salaries that are researched or stipulated, aren't they, in, in these stories. So it's good. And I think the full research, all the full results of that are going to be published soon, so we'll make sure we've got links to all of those things. Cool. Okay, so my story. If there are any Charlie Brooker fans out there, you might remember a few weeks ago in his column, he was writing about the despicable ways that people who work in retail are treated by customers. And, you know, Mm. there's often, uh, they're looked down upon and they're spoke to really rudely. But the story that I've picked out this week suggests that retail, people that work in retail might have the upper hand because customer service is being named as the new super skill Mm. and the thing that employers really want from candidates. It was based on a blog on our site written by David Lurie and he picked out some of the key competencies employers are looking for. So it's stuff like stakeholder management and um, focus on client experience and he relates those all back to customer service and says that customer service is the foundation of all these kind of uh, interpersonal skills that make a really successful employee and that help benefit the business. So take PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, for example. They've got 10 global competencies that they look for in all of their graduate candidates. And in his blog, David related eight of those back to customer service. So they look for, again, people who focus on the client experience and also those that can coach others. And he argues that if you have been in a role where you've had to focus on other people, that you'd be really good at that or you can prove that you've got experience in that. Um, I think the thing with this, that the trick is, is that you need to relate those kind of retail or those customer facing jobs back to the business. So be able to put things in the language of the employers are using. And I mean, you can find that sort of stuff on their website or on the job spec. So just mm. make sure you're mirroring back what they say. It's customer service again, sort of, you know, paying attention to your customer. Make what they want for a candidate really easy to find. The way you'd make things 
easy to find in your shop, you know, find them a size 10, find them somebody who's got really good customer service skills. Um, so David suggests that if, um, if you're applying for a job, you have a think about your customer service skills, especially if you want to work in areas like IT, finance or media. And, and if you don't think your skills are all that at the moment, he says, suggests going to your favourite coffee shop and sort of observing the staff and the way that they, they act and it will give you a sense of that. So the things that you need to do is sort of pay attention to people and even just to smile and things like that that you're doing in retail. So I thought it was quite interesting. Harriet, what's your story? Well, speaking of other people, we are back once again to the interns debate. <laughs> should they be paid? Should they be unpaid? Should they exist at all? <laughs> um, Nick Clegg, if, in case you've been living on Mars, weighed into this debate earlier this week and announced a national internship scheme um, and the idea of the scheme is to make unpaid internships a thing of the past and to warn employers that if they try and go down that route they could be liable under the minimum wage. Unfortunately for poor old Nick Clegg and I, I don't feel sorry for a lot of things but I do feel sorry <laughs> for this. Unfortunately he goes into a debate saying that it should be about what you know rather than who you know and it instantly comes out that in fact his first internship was all about who he knew. But it is the idea that actually um, people, there should be more social mobility and paid internships are one way of doing that. Um, And some big firms have signed up to this and have committed to paying their interns and promoting social mobility. They include law firm Alan Overy, management consultants PwC and KPMG, Channel 4 and The Guardian and the Royal Institute of British Architects, which is really great. But it's a really tiny group, I think. That's what shocked me is how small that group Mm -hmm. is. The other things I hadn't thought about this were, Nick Clegg says, for too long, internships have been the almost exclusive preserve of the sharp-elbowed and the well-connected. I absolutely agree with that, but, and I think all the interns out there are going to hate me for saying this, that is the world of work, and it's not necessarily about who your parents are, but if you go into an office, the people who move up that office fastest are the people who learn how to make connections and how to use those connections and who can be a bit kind of career-orientated and will stomp on you as they climb up the ladder. Using your connections is an important part of getting on in your career. So when you are looking for an internship, sit down and think, not necessarily who do I know who can give me an internship, but who can I relate to so that they might be interested in me. So if you really want to go and work for a company, look at who that CEO of the company is and say, is there anything he's done that kind of relates to my life that I can say we can find a connection with and make him interested in you as a person. I think that is kind of a life skill that's going to be really, really important in the next few years. Now, imaginative applications, creative or a bit cringeworthy. In this week's Dear Julian, our careers guru gives his verdict on attention-grabbing CVs. Obviously, the starting point for everyone's career is their CV. Getting your CV right is vital. There's a letter today from someone asking how far you should go in making your CV stand out, how creative you should be with it. Now, it's a good question for someone like me because I got my first interview on the back of uh, an unusual CV. But it's not always the right thing to do. You have to obviously think about the job you're applying for, first of all, how creative that job is and whether or not creating an unusual CV is the appropriate thing to do. So, for example, when I got my first job, I was applying for uh, a writing position on a teenage girls magazine. 
So therefore, to me, it seemed like completely the right thing to do to create a CV that was a collage of uh, entertaining stuff that I'd cut out from lots of different magazines that kind of showed what I was interested in, showed my personality, but crucially showed that I got the audience that they were talking to. And I think also quite a critical thing in the way that I constructed that CV was that the collage was the background, but the information I laid across the top of it was very basic CV information. So my qualifications were clearly uh, labelled, my address, my name, my date of birth, all of that stuff that you have to include on CV was there, but I had just made it look visually more interesting. That worked for me at that time because the job I was going for was appropriate. However, I would not recommend creating CV like that if you're going for a job in a bank because chances are someone will take one look at you and th- one look at your CV and think, yeah, this person doesn't get what banking is all about. They don't understand it's serious and it's financial and, and it won't do you any favours. One other thing to consider is how creative you make your CV too because as the person who wrote the letter points out, she has heard that people have done all sorts of things like dressing up as witches and hand-delivering it or knitting their covering letter, although I'd love to see that. I have to say, you know, those sorts of CVs can get quite annoying as well when you're sifting through piles of stuff. Whilst it does a job in making it stand out, if it is too wacky, a bit too over the top, you do start to think, actually, would this person be able to knuckle down and really do the job? Because there's lots of really boring stuff in any job, really, you know, uncreative stuff. And a CV that goes over the top can appear a little bit too uh, whimsical, a little bit too out of touch. So I'd just be careful where you sort of draw the line. But certainly do something to make your CV look different because there is nothing more depressing than when you're recruiting for a role and you just see this stack of white paper and they all look the same. As I said, you've got to think about what's appropriate to the job you're going for, but at the same time, try and find a way to make it individual. Whether or not that's the typeface, the colouring, something that makes your CV stand out from all the others. If someone sent my CV today, it wouldn't have as much impact as it had 15 years ago. You know, people were more traditional, I think, 15 years ago. You know, I, I think that I probably was one of not that many people who thought outside the box when it came to sending a CV in. However, in recent times, it's become quite commonplace creating a CV like that. Now, I would be wanting someone to push even further. So I would really expect someone to have a digital CV. I would expect that CV to contain live links to stuff where I could actually see their work or see examples of what they're interested in. And I think that I would want someone to be more creative in that way, maybe to create a video CV somehow, or a podcast CV. Something, however, though, that doesn't require too much effort and doesn't take up too much time. Because when you're sifting through CVs, you you kind of, you really need to just try and get to the heart of that person very quickly. And if it's waffly, or it goes on for too long, or it's too complex, or too annoying, quite frankly, you'll overlook it uh, and move straight on to the next one. But definitely think about the industry that you're going into, the technology surrounding that particular area, and how you could use it to demonstrate why you're so good. It's like a personality test as much as it is a list of your qualifications. It's your one opportunity to 
you know, slap an employer around the face and say, look at me. Some advice on standing out from the crowd there from Julian Lindley, Creative Director at Bauer. So last week, the careers team was sat around engaged in deep, meaningful discussion about the theme for our next Careers Talk podcast. So I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, desirability of public sector jobs despite cuts? No. No, don't like that. Um, What about, God, job seeking on Twitter? Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, well, it was at this point that Harriet had a brainwave and our Twitter job challenge was born. Our idea was to use Twitter and our tenacious graduate followers to find out which employers are paying attention to job seekers on social media. So we started by asking our esteemed graduate blogger, Sarah Barnard, to take the challenge. Sarah's going to join us on the phone shortly to tell us how she's been getting on. But first, for anyone keen to take up the challenge and maybe pick up some tips for themselves, we're going to discuss the power of Twitter as a job-seeking tool with social media expert Ramon Pedro Lopez. He's the social media marketing manager for Brave New Talent, which is a social recruiting company. Ramon has seven years of online marketing experience and an MA in digital culture and technology from King's College London. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, so what do you think? Is Twitter a powerful tool in job seeking? Yes and no. If you know how to use it and, 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 and you get into it, and it, it's a powerful tool. But um, it's not like you're going to get into, it, into Twitter today and then tomorrow you're going to get a job. It's a bit more uh, of a relationship building tool. And I can see um, at Twitter sometimes it's a bit misunderstood and I talk to a lot of graduates and students and uh, job seekers and they're like, well, I'm not in Twitter because I don't really see, you know, I'm going to tweet about if I had coffee this morning or anything that is, no one's interested in that. But it's all about discovering the things that matter to you. Uh, And that I think is a challenge in itself because I think, uh, especially when you get this massive amount of information that Twitter gives you, it's, uh, it's, it's daunting. You get to that and you get to that point where, uh, you know, so many things. So where do I start? What can I, you know, start looking? Who is going to start following? You can start following your friends, but it doesn't really add much to you because you have them on Facebook already. So, you know, what's, what's, what's the point of all this? Um, the way I went about it is that I wanted to, um, you know, know more about social media and marketing. Uh, so basically, it's just basically doing search. And trying to find people that um, from the companies I wanted to uh, work for, or trying to search for social media experts, social media managers, because that was my field. So if you're into, if you want to go into um, journalism, you can start uh, talking about you know following um, edit, the Guardian editor for sports if you're into that or anything like that. It just basically you just need to start searching for people. And the cool thing about Twitter is that you can follow anybody. Like it, you know, it doesn't have the barrier that uh, Facebook has. In terms of like, you need to know them guy first. Should I, you know, should I, you know, get? Do I need to be introduced? Is it weird for me to, you know, to to get this person on on my Facebook or or, or LinkedIn for that matter? Uh, Twitter, no, it just basically can follow anybody. It's not rude. It's actually that's what they're there for. The main thing is actually to use Twitter. It's uh, you have to come back to like have a bit of a think about yourself and what is it that you like, what is it that you want to be doing, and that that's a, an exercise in itself quite hard, and I think and I think everyone should be doing that. So uh, it's about first finding out what you actually want to be doing, and, and, and then you can start finding people on that. 
I think that point you made about working out who you are is really important because your biog is very important on Twitter, yeah. isn't it? Because if you follow somebody and they want to check you out, that's going to be the information. It's very hard to actually, you know, be interesting uh, and be different because you don't want to be like everyone else. You don't want to be, I'm, um, you know, I'm an MBA student graduate or something, then and I want to be working with management. You know, like it's, it's, everyone does that. You have to be a little, and I can see a lot of, uh, bios are really interesting and people talk about very cool things sort of like you know I'm a dad I'm a you know rock climber and I'm a journalist and I think what's important in the bio is actually you, you put a link summary of yourself is very cool I want to check this person out you need to have a place where they can actually you know go and actually have a proper conversation with you but uh, like I said for you to get started I think you first need to start following people then you're going to get information from all over the place. Then you, that's going to build you up with more knowledge and more you know, interesting things to talk about. But then all of a sudden you start knowing about a subject because you have been following all these different people from all this. Uh, you get to discover basically like your field in, in, in Twitter. So just getting back to that, how many grads are on Twitter? Somebody said to me, you know, they don't use it. They're all on Facebook. So if they're not, you would recommend that they do start using Twitter in their job search, would you? Yeah, I think... For uh, from a job search perspective, Twitter is not built for that. But at the same time, I think Twitter it's it's just basically it suits it suits everyone. It's just one of those tools that once you get around to actually follow your own interests, you know, to find a job, you first need to understand what is your field, what are you looking for, and you need to be good at something. You need to know a lot about what is it that you'll be searching on, like what jobs you are looking for, and 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 for. Um, from that perspective, uh, Twitter is very, very, very powerful because the information that you get there is just great. You just need to filter. I wanted to ask you a bit about our Twitter job challenge that we launched this last week. Um, and the purpose of that was to find out which employers were most responsive. Do you think there's a particular type of employer that is operating as more open to people that will want to open a dialogue with them? Um, you could get uh, law firms, you get... Um, you know, cosmetics like L'Oreal, you can get, you know, Tesco is in that too, is one of the clients too. So I think it's, um, it doesn't limit you in terms of like of industry. And you can get a lot of like very big uh, um, companies there. And they're usually companies that you probably would like to be working with because they're the, the ones that are, you can, you can really see how the, these are the companies who are worried about being a nice place to work, uh, worried about their employer brand, worried about trying to communicate with candidates. They, they have a, a big structure in, 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 in finding candidates and actually in a HR, a very you know, uh, proactive HR company. So uh, they, if, if you look into um, a list of the best companies to work for and, you, and, and give it a search for those companies on Twitter, you're going to find a lot of them in there. Because uh, basically, uh, being on Twitter means that I'm worried about reaching out. I'm worried about getting feedback. And I'm worried about communicating, trying to find the best talents. And the cool thing about Twitter is that you start getting, you know, getting into dialogues and discussions with complete strangers, sometimes celebrities, or you know, important people, which is very cool. Or maybe even an employer, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ramon. No problem.
Okay, so let's see how Sarah has been getting on with our Twitter job challenge. Um, Pod regulars might remember her from a few shows ago when we explored the impact bad career choices can have. Um, She graduated last July with a first class degree in American literature with creative writing from the University of East Anglia. She wants to become a professional writer. Um, She's yet to find a paid role in the literary world and is currently working in a call centre. Hello, Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How's your job going? Um, it's okay, yeah. Yes, settling <laughs> yeah. in. Good on the phone? Yeah. Yes, I think so. <laughs> All right, so we asked you a week ago to pick sort of top, your top five employers and try and convince them using Twitter to give you a job. Yeah. Um, how are you getting on? Um, well, I haven't had any success. Um, okay. I start by saying that. I, um, I chose my, my five employers and sent off my tweets. I didn't hear back from any of them unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent some follow-up emails um, to a couple of the companies, the smaller companies, and um, I did get a nice response from, from one of the uh, communications agencies here in Brighton, um, basically saying, thanks, but no thanks, but good luck, kind of thing. So, um, But yeah, everyone else didn't even respond to the emails, so I thought that was quite interesting. Oh, who did you apply to? Tell us what companies you picked out. Um, well, I chose two small agencies in Brighton, um, one called Nexus and one called Bullet PR. And Nexus got back to me from the email and Bullet PR did not. So, And the bigger companies, um, I chose Hodder Children's Publishing, uh, Futures PLC, but I didn't hear back from any of the big ones. I did a different tweet for each company because I was, I was very aware that they would be able to see all of my tweets. And I didn't want any company to go and look and see that I sent exactly the same thing to every company. So I tried to tailor them to the companies and also to keep them quite general um, rather than going straight in with something very specific. Because I think with, when it comes to the tweets, there's no context to them. So um, I wanted to, to not make them just ignore it. But unfortunately, they did that anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I tried to be um, quite lighthearted about it and not try and be too serious. So, um, yeah, the, um, the Nexus tweet was um, just saying that I was available, that I, very briefly that I had copywriting experience and that I'd be um, and asking for an interview. Okay. So those are the tweets I sent. Okay, so um, I know that you've been following our hashtag, Twitter Job Challenge, and it's become very popular. We've had, you know, maybe 400 plus sort of tweets on it and it's gone global. Yeah. We've had replies from Brazil and stuff. So yeah. it's really popular. Have you sort of yeah. learned anything from the way other people have interpreted the challenge? Yeah, so I mean, I have found it really interesting to watch how other people use it. Some people choosing to be really proactive and they seem to be the people who are getting responses where the people who were really throwing themselves into it. So I think that's probably the thing I took most from it. And um, to, to be, to be as, as different as possible, I suppose, to try and build up some kind of a, an online presence. The people who did send links especially as well, some of the CVs online are, just, are great. So I'm, I'm uh, looking to see if I can set up one of those myself. So are you going to carry on with it then now you've created that CV? And... Yes, I am. I think it's a, it's a great kind of addition to the job hunt. I don't think it would ever work on its own. Well, my advice would be is to be following the company first to try and be um, having some kind of a communication with them already to build on and then to send a tweet in addition to a CV and to an email because then, you know, you can never communicate too much with a company that you're looking to work for. But I think as a standalone, unfortunately, I don't think a tweet is enough. 
Well, it sounds like, although it hasn't been a magic wand to find you a job, you have had some success and learned some things from it. So we hope you stick with it and we hope that you get a job. Um, You're going to be blogging about it for us, so we'll be sure to put a link on the site as well. So thanks very much. Thank you. Now, as the aim of the challenge was to find out if employers would respond, we thought it only fair to get the employer's perspective too. So we've got Claire Tennant, who's Managing Director of Manchester PR agency MC2, on the phone to just do that. Hello, Claire. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, Thanks for joining us on the phone. So we wanted to ask you about the Twitter Job Challenge because your company responded to one of the graduates that approached you for work. I mean, what did you think about that? Well, I think certainly um, the use of uh, social media channels like Twitter shows um, really good initiative from a potential candidate and also creativity, which is important in a lot of jobs, but particularly in marketing. So um, that's why we take people very seriously and we actually um, like people to approach us in that way. Okay, well, I'm just going to read out the tweet that it's it's MLG who sent it you and they you know, they mentioned you and they've put organised a few cracking events in my time as VP of a society, up for a challenge, give me a chance. I mean, what did you like about that specifically? I think it shows um, confidence and ambition. And the thing also with Twitter is you get a really good sense of someone's personality, um, which comes across a lot better than email. Um, and also um, with, with phone calls, you're never sure who you're going to reach at an organisation. So often it's the receptionist, whereas with the Twitter feed, ours is run by our head of HR and they'll often be run by someone that's a bit more ingrained in the business. So, um, yeah, certainly it, it gave us a good idea of, of personality and um, a good sense of ambition and drive. Yeah, and I suppose the benefit for you is that you've, they've caught your attention and you can maybe go through their Twitter feed and get a better sense of what they're like as well. Definitely, which is something that, that people should bear in mind when they're using Twitter in this way. Obviously, we will look back at past uh, tweets that they've, they've made. So um, it's best if people think of themselves as a brand um, and make sure that obviously it's a good chance to get an idea of personality, but make sure it's a, a personality that you'd want your employer to, or potential employer to see. Do you think it's something that our employers are using a lot? Because the purpose of our challenge really was to find out if employers were responsive. You know, we know that graduates use it. And what do you think? Are there certain companies maybe that go for it? I think if you're a big brand, obviously it would have to be something that you were very committed to because um, interest in jobs might get a bit overwhelming and it is very easy to... um, to tweet a response and not so easy for the company to reply to every single person. So if you're a big brand, I think you'd have to consider it very carefully. Um, we always advise our clients to engage with people in, in that way through Twitter, through Facebook, if it's appropriate. And I think people should use it more. Um, it's just they need to be comfortable with it themselves. You can't um, use it to advertise a job and then not reply to everybody. You'd have to, you know, you either do it wholly or not at all. So would you recommend any graduates that aren't using it, that they should? Yes, definitely. Um, I think it's only going to become more popular. Um, So many businesses are on there. Um, It's used by so many people to advertise um, work experience, uh, job vacancies, apprenticeships, depending on what sector it is. I think everyone should, um, if it's suited for their industry, I mean, it's not going to be suited for maybe some of the professional services sectors, but if it's anything um, in the creative space, certainly, then they should definitely be on there. But don't, I wouldn't rule anything out. You can always go on and see if the companies you're interested in are on there, mm. in which case it's also a good research tool before interviews. 
Yeah, I think that's a good tip. Um, well, thank you for showing an interest in our Twitter job challenge. I hope we maybe could come back to you and we can sort of catch up on the people that maybe have made it through the doors. Definitely, yes, yeah, we'd love to. All right, that's great. Thanks very much, Claire. Thanks very much. Now, here are 10 chances to put those Twitter skills to the test. This week's jobs chart is a new and social media special. As always, Harriet Minter and Ali White are here to reveal the job top 10. Rocking in at 10, it's a social media executive from Inspired Selection. At 9, A2 Dominion Group is looking for a senior e-communications officer. And at 8, the Soldiers, Sailors, Airmen and Families Association wants an online communications officer. It's a social media officer via Harris Hill at 7. In at 6, Netta Porter is after an email marketing manager. While at 5, Chatham House is looking for a multimedia producer. The Royal Opera House wants a digital developer at 4. Coming in at 3, it's a social media strategist from VMA Group. Pip to the post at two, the University of Liverpool wants an online PR officer. And topping the chart this week is a digital project manager role from Redcat Solutions. So before we dash off, here's what we've got coming up on the career site next week. On Monday the 18th, we have Roots into Broadcast Journalism. Tuesday the 19th, Getting a Job in the Games Industry. And Thursday the 21st, Getting in and Getting on in PR. That brings us to the end of the pod. Thanks to our guests Ramon Pedrolo Bears, Claire Tennant, Twitter job challenger Sarah Barnard, Julian Lindley, and the studio team Harriet Minter and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by Kate Taylor. I'm Kerry Eustace. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>